0: Hello, listeners. Just a quick note about this episode. Early this year, I went to England, Colchester, to be exact, to observe a British Army warfighting experiment, which is their partnership with industry and technology leaders to develop new solutions, rapid solutions to modern urban warfighting challenges. So I went to Colchester, England, where the 6th Air Assault Brigade, Airborne, is located. And I observed an experiment with somebody you've heard on the show before, Rob Taylor, who's the CEO of a UK based company that develops close combat training facilities and, interestingly, opportunities. So, in the conversation, you'll hear from Rob about this experiment that I watched in Colchester, where he partnered with T3A Defense to develop a very unique capability that really, to be honest, blew my mind, where he integrated not only indoor, what we consider close quarters battle technologies and, and some of the most the art indoor urban fighting training spaces. But he also integrated many simulators that probably many of my listeners have used before, whether it's a call for fire trainer, a mortar trainer, a sniper trainer, and by trainer, I mean simulation. So a, 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 not a video game, but a simulation that highly replicates the environment. And there are some that are more accurate than others, but I've used many of those in my career from the Bradley trainer to the tank trainers that you have to actually use before you can go out and use the, the actual piece of equipment in like a gunnery or something. Most people have done the EST, which is a rifle simulator, but I was really blown away how Rob and his company 4 GD and, d3a partnered to develop just this mind-blowing experience that i got to observe firsthand with the british army great opportunity so i hope you enjoyed this show listening to rob and i talk about this experiment you're listening to the urban warfare project podcast from the modern war institute at west point i'm john spencer chair of urban warfare studies at mwi and host of this podcast Rob, welcome back to the podcast. I've had you on the show before, but it's been a while. So can you begin by introducing yourself and describing your involvement with the British Army's Army Warfighting Experiment?
1: So uh, my name's Rob Taylor. I'm the Managing Director of 4GD. and This year we got involved with Army Warfighting Experiment because we wanted to work alongside the British Army to see how we could blend the synthetic and physical environments into a sort of single urban training space. And we thought AWE was a great opportunity to do some iterative development with the end user.
0: Great. Let's walk people through that because without a doubt, and not just because I I know Robin, he's been on the podcast in the past, without a doubt, the most impressive tactical level urban warfare training event I've ever observed because of the integration of different virtual capabilities and with live state-of-the-art urban training, but also the cognitive load that can put This new, what was demonstrated by 4GD and with D3A, I was significantly impressed. Can you walk us through like what were the components, what were the systems that were all put together to to take a junior leader, like a platoon commander or a platoon leader, and put him under the real cognitive loads of urban warfare training?
1: Absolutely. I think one of the key things we wanted to focus on was Exactly like you said, how do we increase the cognitive load on the junior leaders? And one of the things we reflected on looking at sort of our combined services, those of us at 4GD and our partners over at D3A was the combined arms aspect and the sort of dealing with multiple nets, you know, com- fires net, command net, et cetera. So what we wanted to do was effectively work out how we could bring the deep battle space or the combined arms battle space into the close urban training facility and thus stress the soldiers as they move through the room clearances and the sort of close fight, while simultaneously stressing the commander, in this case, a platoon commander, by engaging the deep battle space with combined arms assets. So effectively, what we did is, I suppose a simple way to differentiate it would be, the close fight, the really high-intensity room clearance part of Urban, was kept in the physical, so training exactly like people have done for hundreds of years, and the synthetic fight, i.e. the deep fight, was kept in the virtual environment. So. Everything from coordinated with mortars, snipers, AH, and drones. So, in fact, all the stuff that takes place outside the building was virtual. Everything that takes place inside the building was physical.
0: Yeah, let's put some more meat on that, Rob, because that, that doesn't sound, honestly, doesn't sound as impressive as what I saw.
1: Yeah, okay, cool. So what we did is we wanted to ensure that the pressures on the junior commander were exactly the same as that which was uh, faced by the, end, the soldiers as they moved through the room clearance. So we wanted to effectively put as much effort into creating the state-of-the-art training facility that the soldiers were using through hyper-immersive special effects, through humanoid targetry. And we wanted to replicate that for the platoon commander, so to make sure what they were facing was as realistic, but for their specific part of the urban fight. So what we did is we created a synthetic battle space that effectively wraps around the physical. So if you imagine the building or the close urban fight is physical and has been sort of trained in a physical environment with soldiers moving through conducting room clearances in an immersive state of the art shoot house. And then everything around the building, so the street and the countryside uh, beyond that, we created in the virtual so what we did is we brought in all the sort of combined arms assets that you would expect at a platoon level. So snipers, heavy weapons such as mortars, and then uh, larger assets such as AH and drones. And we built them into the, the synthetic or the virtual environment. So if you imagine you have a physical training facility, and then around that, we had a number of simulators provided by our partners from D3A. So we had a sniper simulator, a mortar simulator and a JTAC simulator. So effectively, when the platoon commander was stood in the physical building, so with the platoon as they cleared that building, they were looking at a simulated or virtual drone feed of the wider battle space. They were able to identify targets and threats within that wider, deeper battle space. And then over normal or sort of the conventional communication systems, engage with the JTACs and the fire controllers to then fire synthetic fire missions so effectively you're taking a small training facility that's maybe 30 meters by 30 meters in footprint and then you are enabling training on a multiple mile by multiple mile synthetic battle space making sure that the training faced by the platoon commander is as valuable as that faced by the private
0: i don't know if i could say it any better in my my layman's term of how impressed i was and the reasons i was impressed one i would never seen it done before if the listeners picture a, a warehouse, and this is what it was—just a, a normal warehouse on any installation that I can see many times—with the 16th Air Assault, this is not. It was called the Urban, I think, training facilities on that, but it's just a warehouse. Inside the warehouse is the 4GD, one of the, the best reconfigurable indoor live CQB training facilities I've ever seen. Just in the rapid movement of the walls around to reconfigure rooms for your small squads and platoons. And you could really do a platoon inside this warehouse pretty easily to include reconfiguring streets, let alone the realistic targetry that we can talk about. But then you're know, outside, like you just said, the incorporation of other enablers and arms that you would have on any realistic battle that we just wave away for me as an old infantryman, wave away and, and simulate in some way, if if at all in planning. To actually not just put the junior leader under cognitive load, but like you said. So, as I walked around looking at the experiment, you had a, an actual sniper behind a sniper weapon and scope. The scope just happened to be a virtual interfacing with a virtual reality. You had a mortar team, old mortarmen here, long, long time ago. So, I was really interested dropping rounds, calling in the actual information it was getting from the NBC, the mortar ballistic computer. And then dropping simulated rounds into a, a real mortar. You had a JTAC and forward observer trainer right there, located as well, actually getting messages from the platoon in the warehouse who's receiving information from the sniper in the virtual that is reflected in the physical. As you have a platoon leader, like, okay, I acknowledge you have a, you identify enemy personnel two buildings away from me. He's stopping, he's talking to a real forward observer in the same warehouse, thinking back as the old company commander in infantry, the amount of coordination it would take to do that, the months of planning to bring all those things together to be able to do that, and let alone if I'm actually at a place that can do that, you are doing it all within this home station warehouse.
1: For sure. And I think one of the real benefits we expected, but was a pleasant surprise when it happened, was real world idiosyncrasies of urban combat. Being replicated within the scenario and then dealt with. One such example that happened as a result of one of the scenarios that the Army Warfighting Experiment suggested that we conduct was the synthetic or virtual OP observation post spotted an in depth enemy. The platoon commander was unable to see that on their drone feed because the drone was on a different cycle and was unable to see the target that this OP could see. The OP was unable to verify whether or not it was an enemy threat. And as a result, There was a moment of impasse where the platoon commander was unable to engage that uh, because obviously he couldn't verify whether it was an enemy. Then suddenly the sniper in a dislocated location from another angle was able to verify that. And we had this amazing training moment where the sniper was calling for fire on behalf of the platoon commander the fight to the mortar fire controller and effectively it was one of those amazing reminders that in a complex urban battle space you've got three different entities they're going to be seeing three completely different things and learning to make best use of the aspects that they can see is how we're going to win that fight you know not having to rely on only having one trained observer in a platoon and if that trained observer isn't in the right place you're not able to see the objective and what was really sort of gratifying about the experiment was that happened organically you know that training experience happened the sniper came onto the command net, said he could see the target, thought back to their sort of fires training, did a fire control order that was approved by the platoon commander, and that evolution happened. Now, that sort of event, like you said, for that to happen in a pure live environment would take months of planning and a huge degree of complexity. And frankly, the danger areas and range danger areas that would be required to be overcome wouldn't allow it to have been quite as physical and realistic as it would have been in the experiment that we conducted.
0: It's amazing. I know I'm not just saying it because I know of your work, but just to see it, like I've played plenty of video games and no criticism on the Army simulation portfolio to include VBS3. This was different. This was like everything down to how the live environment was replicated in the virtual and then how the virtual was replicated in the live. Can you talk about that? Like, I know one event was, you know, I've done this here at Fort Carson. I remember training in urban lane, urban attack lane, and actually having physical snipers positioned to take out sentries in live shots and then and approaching. But you know, that was months of work building up to that. I saw in this training where, like you said, the sniper direct fire engaged a target and it reflected in your live target there in the warehouse, right?
1: Yeah, and it's a really good example actually of that loop. And I think one of the things that we were trying to focus on was Sometimes with simulation, there is a focus on taking what's happening in the physical and then replicating it in the virtual, you know, effectively, like you said, uh, computer gaming, right? You know, you sit on a controller and you control a virtual avatar. The problem with that is you don't get that feedback loop where things that are happening virtually happen in the physical. So to sort of, you know, uh, go on to the example you bring up, when the sniper engaged the target virtually, that target had a physical twin in the main training facility. So. Effectively, there was an enemy walking up and down the street in the virtual environment, which was replicated in the urban training facility. So, when that sniper hit the target within the virtual simulation, the physical target dropped. Now, where that's got a benefit is when those troops moved into the facility, that target had dropped, meaning they didn't engage it. So, for instance, if you were to take this one step further to a sniper firing in support of a room clearance through a window, the virtual sniper can engage if that target is hit, when the room is then entered, the target would be dropped. And obviously, the friendly forces would understand that target has been engaged. And I think having that loop is critical. Another example was when the platoon commander conducted an AH strike on an in-depth virtual position, so effectively spotted an in-depth enemy on his simulated drone feed, and then used a synthetic AH to engage that. The troops in the facility heard the audio signature of an AH engaging a target. Now, the important thing for that is a pure immersive thing, but also for them to understand the sort of natural tempo of an urban fight. So they've moved in, cleared the rooms in the building, and they have that a physical effect of what's going on in the virtual. It just helps with the A immersion, but also the sort of everyone's engaged in everyone else's fight like happens in reality. It's not just individuals doing their individual simulations. It's one blended combined battle space as it is for real.
0: I agree. And and again, more impressive to me was, like you said, that I've been in plenty of simulators in an immersive type of trajectory, trying to immerse, increase the complexity of the To me, this was more than that because yes, it was there, but it was like you said, it was based on the actions of the training elements, like the real sniper looking through a virtual scope or the real JTAC calling in a real artillery or the mortar strike and that being reflected in audio to the soldiers in a room who are going to hear that call for fire rounds impacting. That's a different interaction than I've ever seen in, not. I wouldn't even call it immersiveness. It's realism
1: couldn't agree more and i think that's where people have got to experience the urban fight for real and like you said it's understanding that they are a part of a much wider cog you know i think one of the mistakes or one of the things that i found when i was serving was you did your urban training and it was very high tempo room clearance room clearance room clearance room clearance effectively you're just and and obviously that repetition has a real place in terms of the generation of the skill set however what that probably did for me is when i then deployed operationally it gives you a very unrealistic expectation of the tempo of the urban fight. And actually, one of the things we found really interesting in this experiment was the room clearance may be taking, so the, the actual physical clearance of the facility may be taking between five and 15 minutes, whereas the actual evolution, the entire combined arms battle space taking maybe between 30 and 40 minutes. And that gives a real reality check in terms of the tempo of these fights, which I think will mean when we come into planning and the logistical planning of urban fights, we have a much more realistic expectation of, okay, you've cleared two or three buildings, that's taken period of time X, you know, half an hour, an hour, and gives, I think, commanders a much more realistic understanding of, you know, it's not going to take two hours to clear an entire village. It's going to take time they clear some buildings, conduct some combined arms or depth fires. And I think that, that was what we found really important. It's sort of, although it's a platoon evolution, the ramifications and the benefits are going to be far greater battalion and upwards.
0: And I 100% agree with you is I get approached often by junior leaders on, can you help me develop an urban training program? I got a whole week. What do you recommend I do? Because what I've discovered, maybe I was at fault back when I was in infantry because you have your kind of unit dependent. Even if you do have enablers, some of those enablers might not be as readily available, but. You know, you want to train them together. You want to train combined arms, but the infantry, you're like, okay, I'm going to do battle drill six training. Okay, that I can progressively drive, blank, fly live that I'll be done in a day. Exactly like you said. No, let's do this for real. And it's not just about you drilling while it is that one room in context. This is about the whole mission and all that entails. And that was the other really important part for me to see, to be honest, as there is a shift away from. Counterterrorism tactics in a permissive environment. So, for urban warfare, you know, the raid, known objective, known intelligence, single hit, highly trained strike forces to include infantry. And I did plenty of these in Iraq raids and what you need to drill. The setup that I saw in the UK allowed me, as a junior leader from I think really battalion down, to say, no, let's change your context a little bit. Let me give you a different enemy, a tougher enemy. Let me give you the real resources that you would have in this mission I'm going to give you, right? So I'm going to give you mortars. I'm going to give you priority targets of artillery. You even had a, the JTAC there being able to call in a 10 strike. That's the ability to change the context of the urban fight that I think we're all pivoting towards pure competition, right? A tougher enemy in urban terrain, whether it's defend it or move to in clearer section. I was amazed that you could do all that inside of a warehouse.
1: I think that's the key thing as well when we were both serving, the sort of urban fight. And I think, like you said, there's going to be a transition as we come into peer-on-peer, where the urban space is going to have to be a lot more deliberate. Break-in is going to be a much more sort of established phase. The fires, of so beneath that, it's going to effectively require a lot more training and repetition. And being able to do that on garrison, which is, I suppose, one of the other key points that was experimented during AWE21, was being able to do that on garrison and get that level of complexity simulated in a really small footprint is critical for repetition. As you said earlier, in days of old, this would have taken months of preparation and huge training areas to conduct. Maybe you did this once or twice a year. We want to get training and combined arms in the complex and urban from a monthly or yearly activity to a daily or hourly. This should be the sort of thing you can do your PT early in the morning and then conduct a couple of hours before lunch Can have 10 or 15 run throughs of like you said different assets you know the first run through you go through you've just maybe got organic combined arms assets so mortars and heavy weapons when you get to the end of the morning you can start to bring in ah a10 fast air and then what would be really exciting about this is you could start to see what is the best lay down what is the best combined arms assets to use in certain environments and evolutions And then just sort of train, develop your tactics that way. When you're able to train with the level of frequency that you can on an on garrison training facility, your tactics can be iterative, dynamic, and adapt. If you're doing it once a year, you don't have the chance to sort of go, well, that didn't work. Let's try something different. I 100%
0: agree, and I love your quote about that. And I'm an urban warfare guy, so that's very important to me. Just the number of hours you're going to spend on urban warfare training. If we ask units to do that, what resources do we have available for them to do more? Urban warfare training. There's a limited number of training spaces. There's really a limited large training spaces, and you know from my visit to Copil Downs and my visit to other training areas. There's still limitations in the live, right? So that's the problem. Limitations in the live. Like I can't call a strike on that building and you see the effects of it because I got to keep using that building. But on the opposite, I, I'm not going to put you in a video game, right? Because I, I hate that. There's some things that have to be live, and there's plenty that can be. Virtual, if it's getting the training that we want, right? So we're just we're talking about training junior leaders, fighting combined arms in different contexts of different missions. That's a tough nut to track, and that's why I see a glimmer of an amazing future with what you're working on.
1: It's very kind that of, we've always focused on the stuff that is too dangerous, too difficult, or too expensive is where virtual should focus. The stuff that requires high fidelity, high impact it should always be physical. And I suppose the final point that I would raise about what was achieved in the experiment was: we talked a lot about the physical space at Colchester. One of the additional aspects that was tested successfully in the experiment was bringing in a separate location. So we had another location that was part of the same exercise. Now, what that proves is the ability and the exciting ability to. As we all know, the Army has different units in different locations, and especially over in the UK, for instance, we have the artillery are typically located in one area, infantry are then located over in different areas. Now, what's really exciting is the ability to link those units more quickly. So you can imagine you know, having the mortar fire controller or the JTAC located in one location where their home garrison is, being able to train in support of an infantry battalion in another location that is where virtual has an amazing potential for the military in terms of overcoming things that are too dangerous overcoming things that are too difficult such as units being dislocated and then stuff that's too expensive you know being able to drop unlimited ordnance at a very limited synthetic cost rather than the cost of a JDAM you know being dropped thousands of times etc
0: i forgot about that point because i just happened to be watching an experiment where everything was in that one room I mean, How amazing would that be to have, like you said, the possibilities? We call it distributed training, and we say it, but usually it's with video games, little icons moving around. This is literally having your JTAX in it, a call for fire trainer that also integrated with the live training that somebody else is doing somewhere else, and there's interaction between the two environments. That's different than I've ever seen.
1: And one of the key things we were discussing with D3A is the excitement at being able to then have proper debriefs. So for instance, a good example would be if a pilot in a location, was able to join a simulation and effectively act as the simulated fast air. At the end of that in training evolution, that pilot can then actually have a direct conversation with the JTAC and say, this worked, this didn't work. Whereas before, you know, that pilot comes over in the live and then disappears off to wherever their sort of home base is. And the ability to not only train together, but then have detailed debriefs afterwards. You know, So the artillery observer telling the forward troops that actually the way they were t- trying to identify a target was too confusing or too long, how they can change that. Getting that sort of true interoperability. So when we hit operations and an artillery regiment, an engineer regiment and all the other sort of attachments, join that infantry core battalion, everyone knows how to operate, how to talk. How it all works. You sort of you're able to run as soon as you hit the ground of operation. There's no sort of cruel walk phase. You're ready to run when you hit the ground.
0: Another great point. The training opportunities this opens up not just for the the people inside that room. And you know I'm heavy on explaining to people that the foundation of urban warfare is not room clearing. Infantry are a huge component of closing with and destroying an enemy, but that's not our power. Our power is not our ability to do room clearing. The best in the world. Our power is the ability to bring combined arms together at the time of need or at the critical moment and achieve supremacy. That's the training that I would like to see. And like you just mentioned, it requires training feedback to each individual component, which sometimes in a bigger live event, you, you can't watch everywhere. But this allows you to give each individual component feedback and actually combining our arms rather than sequencing our arms. I, I talk about, a lot about that as well. This is different, Rob.
1: It's very kind that. Yeah, I'm really hoping that we were able to sort of continue to make that difference. And I think exactly like you said, especially in the peer-on-peer fight, bringing that overmatch, being able to bring those combined arms to bear so it's not just a straight small arms on small arms fight, I think it's going to be critical to ensure the operational success as we move forward.
0: Great. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate this. And again, thank you so much for you and your team for allowing me to observe what was going on on that day.
1: Absolutely. Pleasure. It's great to have you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Urban Warfare Project podcast. The podcast is produced by the Modern War Institute at West Point. What you hear in each episode are the views of their participants and do not represent the positions of West Point, the Army, or the U.S. government. You can subscribe to the Urban Warfare Project podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to check out NDY's other podcasts, as well as the new articles we're publishing every day on our website. Thanks again for listening.